lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our new YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And... The last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Also releasing on December the 15th is my next book. It's the novella sequel to my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot. And uh, movie production on that, guys. Ramping up full bore as we speak. And you can get the sequel, A Nefarious Carol, right now. You can pre-order it at Amazon.com so that you get it just in time for Christmas. You can pre-order A Nefarious Carol right now at amazon.com i've got half a mind to give you guys a hint on where we're looking at filming this thing but i'm not going to just to tell you where we're thinking about filming it and then just have people's imaginations run wild with why would you film it there but i don't think i'm going to do that i i can hold tight on that but casting man I want to know casting. The casting you wanted on that oh, one? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. We're having some of those preliminary conversations yet, but I'm not willing to, I'm not ready yet to let you in on any of those conversations yet. All right. Coming up on the show today, as typical, we have a jam-packed Tuesday for you. At the end of the program, our good friend Josh Hammer, former clerk on the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. He's now the op-ed page editor for Newsweek. He's going to be joining us to talk about what the president should be looking for in his next Supreme Court justice and who. That candidate could very well be. Fake news or not, we had so much fun with this last week. We're going to do this again. And we may do it a few more times between now and the election. All right. I'm putting on my uh, my recovering campaign flag hat. And we're going to take you inside another batch of polling. That's just been done in the last week. We're going to look at the last four presidential election polls in the, that have been published in the Real Clear Politics polling average over the last four weeks. I dug in and spotted a few things. And you guys are going to play fake news or not with those things coming up uh, a little bit later on. That that should be fun. I'm looking forward to that. You, you kind of feel like you're back home with this polling, a don't little you? Bit. Yeah. A little bit. I can tell. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, Pop Culture Tuesday. I don't know if you watched week two of the NFL, but man, the social justice stuff was, did you watch, did you notice this? It was toned a little bit, yeah. way down, way down from what we saw in week one. Could the ratings be a reason why that is the case? We will talk about that at the bottom of the hour. However, want to let you know here from the outset, because we get into cancel culture and everything all the time. How about... Um, dealing with uh, the folks that are funding the people. Remember the last judicial nomination fight we had? And Brett Kavanaugh smeared as a marauding gang rapist. You know where a lot of these folks get their money? Corporate America. From a lot of the businesses that you and I do business with. Now, unfortunately, in the era in which we live, we, we unless we are going off the grid, Todd's like, don't tease me. But unless we're going off the grid, it's almost impossible at some point in this country today to not have to do business with somebody who wants to give the business to you, if you know what I'm saying. So when you have the opportunity to opt out, uh, to cancel 
uh, nefarious activity, take advantage of it. And that's where Patriot Mobile comes in. It's America's only uh, conservative cell phone carrier. They share your values. They never charge you hidden fees. And they don't send your hard-earned money to plan butcherhood or any places like that. All right, now switching is easy. You can get the same reliable nationwide service as well while supporting a country, uh, or supporting a company that loves this country. You can bring your own phone, uh, buy a new one if you want. And right now you can get a free activation plus a free gift with the offer code Steve at PatriotMobile.com. By the way, plans start as low customized plans as $25 a month. So a free activation plus a free gift with the offer code Steve at PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Or give them a call at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by dueling senators. Senators Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer made their cases for and against voting on Trump's eventual nominee to fill the vacant SCOTUS seat. We're already hearing it. incorrect claims that there is not sufficient time. Justice John Paul Stevens was confirmed by the Senate 19 days after this body formally received his nomination. Americans right to health care, a woman's fundamental constitutional right to make her own medical decisions, future of our planet, environmental protections, and the possibility of bold legislation to address climate change, hang in the balance, and by all rights, by every modicum of decency and honor, Leader McConnell and the Republican Senate majority have no right to fill it. No right. We're going to keep our word once again. We're going to vote on this nomination on this floor. McConnell now says he has enough votes to support Trump's nominee after statements released from Senators Chuck Grassley and Cory Gardner. President Trump is expected to announce his pick to fill the seat by the end of the week. Yahoo News headline, this is Amy Coney Barrett, the potential RBG replacement who hates your uterus. A video went viral this weekend depicting a girl who's very <clears throat> distraught at pro-lifers. Oh, sorry, wrong video. To people that are pro life. I hate you. Why can't women have abortions? I just saw a pro life sign driving down the road having a mental breakdown. And I was trying to say, oh, you people are so, you're so stupid. Ugh. This sign said, I what? I could feel pain before I was born. It's a baby. Bitch, I was and I can feel pain. I wish I wasn't born. Stop bringing these kids into horrible homes just because you're pro-birth. You're stupid. And I wish I had been aborted. I not to worry, though. CNN's Don Lemon is doing his part to bring down the temperature in the room. We're going to have to blow up the entire system. And you know what we're going to have to do? No, I don't know. About you know that. what we're going to? Yes, yeah. what you have to do. You just got to. Honestly, from what your closing argument is, you're going to have to get rid of the electoral college because the people. I don't see it. Uh, because the, the minority in this country decides who the judges are and they decide who the president is. Is well, that, you need a is constitutional. That fair? It's time for a daily check-in on Joe Biden. I pledge allegiance to the United States of America, one nation. Indivisible, under God, for real. 
Backing the courts is now apparently the topic du jour for the left. The only way that we restore fairness is for Congress uh, to pass an act expanding the court. Do you say Democrats, if they get back the Senate in this election in November, should then expand, move to expand the Supreme Court? Are you in favor of trying to expand the, the numbers of justices on the Supreme Court? Like the idea of eliminating the filibuster. Should they do that? As you know, uh, some uh, Democrats are openly threatening to try to pack the Supreme Court with additional justices. Would you agree with that? Biden was also asked about packing the courts. I'm not going to answer that question. Because it will shift all the focus. That's what he wants. He never wants to talk about the issue at hand. Part voters know who you're going to appoint? No, they don't, but they will. If I'm elected, they'll know in plenty of time. President Trump held an event in Ohio yesterday while he was introducing Governor Mike DeWine. This happened. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. Where's Mike? Where's Mike? Before that event, Ohio Lieutenant Governor John Hosted tried to promote Trump-emblazoned face masks to the massive crowd. Just listen to their reaction. But if you go into a grocery store where you got to wear one, all right? Hang on, hang on, just listen up. Just listen up. All right, I get it. But if somebody tells you to, t- to take it off, you can at least say, that you're trying to save the country by wearing one of President Donald Trump's masks, all right? An entry in the New England Journal of Medicine on the efficacy of face mask use in hospitals went viral yesterday, even though the piece is from May. It's called Universal Masking in Hospitals in the COVID-19 Era, and it's written by a team of doctors and researchers from Harvard. Here's the paragraph that's getting everyone's attention. Quote, it is also clear that masks serve symbolic roles. Masks are not only tools, they are also talismans that may help increase healthcare workers' perceived sense of safety, well-being, and trust in their hospitals. Although such reactions may not be strictly logical, we are all subject to fear and anxiety, especially during times of crisis. One might argue that fear and anxiety are better countered with data and education than with marginally beneficial masks, particularly in light of the worldwide mask shortage but it's difficult to get clinicians to hear this message in the heat of the current crisis. Expanding masking protocol's greatest contribution may be to reduce the transmission of anxiety over and above whatever role they may play in reducing transmission of COVID-19. LA Times tweets, Sweden has escaped a second coronavirus wave so far. The question is, why? And finally, this. Hi, everybody. This is Got Sad. I didn't want to share this, but I feel that it's my responsibility and my moral obligation to do so irrespective of the person that donald trump decides to nominate uh, to sit on the supreme court i just want everybody to know that sometime in around 1972 could have been 1979 maybe 1994 that person sexually assaulted me This person yet to be nominated, the sexual predator who abused me either in 1972, 79, or possibly 1994, should not be sitting on the court. Thank you, and I'm ready to appear in front of the Senate in case people want to hear my testimony. And that's what happened while we were away. (laughs) 
generally before Kavanaugh, <laughs> it would be uncouth to laugh at jokes like that, but they made their bed. <laughs> Sometime in 1972, 1979, maybe 1994. Oh, oh, 2020. There's a part of me that's going to miss this year when it's gone. Smart. Aaron's montage brought to you by Home Title Lock. Deborah said she could not believe that she was getting evicted from her own home that she did not sell. That's what she learned when she was the victim of home title fraud. That's a devastating crime that can cost you your home. And it is not, repeat, not covered by your homeowner's insurance. And the only folks I know that you can trust to protect your home's title are over at Home Title Lock. Cyber thieves have discovered that our titles are now kept for our homes online. So they forge your name on your deed, stating that you sold your home to them and then refile themselves as the new owner. And in Deborah's case, she didn't even know she was a victim of this until the eviction notice arrived in the mail. But Home Title Lock, that'll they will put a virtual barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect any tampering, they will mobilize to shut it down. However, first things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't yet know it. And then while you're there, use the promo code Steve for 30 free days of protection. That's 30 free days of protection with the promo code Steve at HomeTitleLock.com. That montage, it's just a study in psychosis. I mean, all the way through. Um, man, they're going to make me do it. We jumped the shark over and over and over again. There's n- they're going to they're make me do this. For the first time in my career, I'm going to affirmatively analyze Mitch McConnell. They're going to make me do this. This is, this is how far we've sunk, how far they push us is they have pushed me into this position. But those two video clips there of Schumer and McConnell are really an encapsulation of the way most people who vote for each of these parties think. Better or worse, you have McConnell thinking, we're going to do this right now, we're going to do it before the election. He understands they'll get killed in the election if they don't do this. He understands this. And most of the time, the Republican Party's thinking of being about the next election rather than the next generation has worked against us, right? Meanwhile, the Democrats are for the next generation, more so than the next election. I mean, look at, look at Schumer's, Schumer's case is not based on any sort of constitutional merit, any sort of lawful precedent. It's just based on the courts exist to advance generationally our ideological agenda and you making this appointment would potentially get in the way of it. So it just can't happen. That, that, that is really, in many cases, how the people in both parties and most people who vote for both parties think. Most people vote Republican because of, out, of, out of a sense of self-interest or their, a protection of their self-interests or... Um, a preservation of the of what they view as historical interests, precedent, tradition, etc. 
most people vote Democrat because they want to crush all those things. They, they want to smash them all. And it's by hook or by crook. It, it doesn't matter really what the precedent is, you know. Um, I am the Senate. That, that's why most people vote Democrat. I, I just, this is the outcome I want, the desire I have, and it just has to be affirmed and has to tap, happen. Election outcomes be damned. We'll just do whatever we want. That, that you know. The side-by-side -side of those two things is, is kind of stunning to see them articulated so clearly. Not all Joe Biden voters perform profanity-laced viral videos where they wished they themselves had been aborted. But only Joe Biden voters do such things. Um, the thing with the Trump supporters booing the mat, God bless you. Mm-hmm. In the immortal words of the great prophet Tiny Tim, God bless you, everyone, every last one of them, and just booing them off the stage. <clears throat> See, if, if we're capable of doing that, that level of distinction, driving, sophistication, where... We can vote for Republicans, even ones that aren't good, like Mike DeWine, because they're non-communists. But then at the same time, we don't beatify them, but we, we maintain our own positions at the same time. I, I'm, in, I'm in for that. Oh, keep our it, edge. Yeah. It's just been in my career, we've been not capable of doing this, which is why I've opted out. We, we've not been capable of that. And <clears throat> what I've seen in my career is when a guy like Mike DeWine wins the primary, he suddenly becomes St. DeWine. Nearer to God is he, right? That, that's typically how we've, we used to joke about it on this show. We used to call it the magic R. <clears throat> it, and, and the Republican won the primary and, and it was bestowed upon him the magic R and therefore was credited him in righteousness. That's typically how we have rolled. Like every Republican who wins any primary ever is Winston Churchill, God's anointed, right? That's typically what we've done. But if you're telling me that we have matured as a block and as a movement now, that we can make decisions like, hey, the likelihood it's either this squish or this communist, I'll take the squish. And I know going in it's a squish, and while he's there, I will treat him as a squish, right? Yeah. I can do that. I'd be all in on that. I just haven't seen much evidence until, frankly, this year with this virus. Have I seen a lot of evidence that we are capable in mass of drawing those kinds of distinctions? That typically what we do is four legs good, two legs bad, even while the Republican that we're doing that for is kneecapping us while we're chanting it. That's typically what we have done. But if you're telling me now we have reached a new stage of evolution and maturity as a block and as a movement, that we are capable of just throwing up these squish orange cones because they're not um, reds, they're not communists coming after us. But then at the same time, we spank these people, every we flog them in public and hold them accountable on the issues. I'd be all in on that. This is just new to me. That's not typically what we have done. And the remarkable thing about that, since you used <clears throat> the word twice, maturation, mm -hmm. if this holds, if it is sustained, it is going to be because of Donald Trump, who is not exactly known for maturation. <laughs> that there, yes. Imagine what Trump was thinking, watching that off on the side. Because you guys, you guys need to know, 
Okay, there's been a lot of people in his in his on his staff, on his consult on his campaign reelect team, his pollsters. They're telling him you got to be for the masks. If we lose this election, it's because senior citizens have abandoned you because they don't think you're taking the virus seriously, which I find funny. I don't know where you all live, but we live here in a true swing state. I mean, you and I were just out yesterday with a couple thousand people watching a couple hundred kids run cross country races, right? Yeah. The ratio of people wearing masks, was it the grandparents who were usually the ones wearing the masks or was it the younger you went, the more likelihood they were there outside 80 degrees watching in masks? Well, you... You're right. The, the the younger you go, you see the virtue signaling talisman yeah. a lot more. Yeah. I mean, you still see some old people, but you see it's it's 50-50 at best. There's a lot of them who are just living. Yeah. I, so I'm fascinated. But, but internally, I can tell you this for a fact. Internally, he is being told that that that's what's killing him in the polls is old people think he didn't think think that he left them to die because he didn't take the virus serious enough and that he needs to be more pro mask. So imagine if you're Trump, now your staff is telling you that, and you're off to the side, and you're watching the governor and the lieutenant governor of Ohio, a state you have to win. No Republican has ever won the White House ever without winning Ohio. It's never happened. The history of the Republican Party, right? So this is a state you have to win, and you're watching the Republican governor and the lieutenant governor get booed off the stage with the cameras on, talking about masks, while you're standing off to the side waiting to come out and address the crowd. I would imagine they had some interesting conversations on Air Force One when that event was over, I would imagine. Which brings us to Sweden. So the LA Times yesterday, Aaron had the headline in his montage, uh, the LA Times yesterday, well, we're just baffled. I, I mean, we're gobsmacked here. Over at the LA Times, where our own health department, by the way, did an antibody study four months ago that found that the virus was here eight months ago, minimum, all right? And we're still in lockdown, and we've got our health department on tape saying, well, we'll open up the schools after the election out here in LA County, and we're not sure if you can trick or treat. Which, by the way, LA County, I was there a few months ago, everyone has to wear a mask, when you're, what one night of the year is everyone wearing a mask? Guys, come on. What one night of the year is everyone wearing a mask? It wasn't Independence Day, apparently. No, it was Halloween. Trick of the, <laughs> in LA County, everybody has to wear a mask, but you can't go out on the one night that everyone wear a mask and trick or treat. Makes sense to you? But here we are, okay? Um, this morning over at the Washington Examiner, there's a column up responding to this LA Times story uh, about how they just are, it's inexplicable. How does Sweden not have a second wave? And it's, it's kind of ironic that the country that gave us Greta Thunberg, the low prophetess of scientism, this year was the lone scientism dissenter on the virus. All right. Uh, Sweden was the lone country that practiced actual science and followed it the whole time. Thus, it became the control group that proved to us lockdowns were the dumbest managerial decision in all of human history. And I did this a few months ago, and I want to do it again right now. Let's compare with the most updated data we have now, Sweden and Michigan, because they have virtually the exact same population, okay? Sweden hasn't had more than 500 new cases in a given day since July 7th, okay? 
nation of 10 million people. Meanwhile, the state of Michigan, state of 10 million people, has been below 500 new cases only three days since July the 7th. So Sweden hasn't had 500 new cases since July 7th. The state of Michigan has only been below 500 cases in a given day three times since July 7th. Let us continue. Sweden hasn't reached double figures in deaths for 64 consecutive days now. 64. By the way, Sweden's upcoding for deaths for COVID is actually worse than ours. They're actually more liberal in how they code deaths with COVID than even we are. And they haven't reached double figures in deaths in Sweden for 64 straight days. However, Michigan, Michigan has reached double figures in deaths 12 days or has reached double figures in deaths 12 days in the last 64 days. Five of those days, it was 20 or more deaths. Two of those days, it was 30 or more deaths. Here's more. Sweden right now sits at 580 deaths per 1 million people. Michigan with the exact same population. 699 deaths per 1 million people. Sweden, no lockdown. Michigan, one of the strictest lockdowns in the United States of America. I have a word for you. Well, a phrase, really, and it's two words. Dumbass. That was Michigan. Herd immunity. That was Sweden. Gentlemen, your thoughts. I don't have thoughts about this anymore because I've had the same thoughts that you've had largely since March. Um, told you. I, and I don't say that to be smug, but if this is science, if it's really science, then us having this conversation for months on end is a sign that we need to focus some serious uh, time on the science of uh, mental illness and psychology within the scientific profession because what are we waiting for why is not the entire world mobilized in a put a man on the moon effort by this point you want to talk about your catchphrase there's no good answers to that steve we we are willing to accept level of grotesque lies that lead to all manner of economic mental and physical well-being to people we are still here in iowa hot spot hot spot our largest school district here in des moines has not opened up keep the kids safe we're, we're drunk on a level of dystopia that is the stuff that keeps a generation of people wandering around in the desert 40 years because that's the only way short of the flood that he can't use anymore because he promised he wouldn't to get rid of you dumb people no mask mandate in Sweden either. Kids were in school Ever. the whole time. Yeah. Michigan now has a mask mandate, I believe, even one outdoors, I believe. But no mask mandate in Sweden ever. Never had one. Aaron. And this is just part and parcel to the paragraph of that uh, New England Journal of Medicine piece from May from uh, a group of doctors, many of whom were affiliated or teaching at Harvard Medical School, Harvard, guys, Harvard, just Harvard, bunch of, bunch of quacks out there. 
talking about just openly how there's no logical evidence or no logical thinking when it comes to mask wearing, how it's really just in terms of stopping the spread. Uh, it's to stop the spread of the uh, virus of anxiety and how it's I can't believe they used this word because this is the word that we've been using over <clears throat> and over again. They flat out said it specifically. It's a talisman. Mm. A talisman. You guys know what the definition of a talisman? It's an object, a trinket designed to draw on magical powers to bring the wearer good luck. I said, and I tweeted a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was just last week on Twitter, that our medical establishment, our medical establishment is run by witch doctors. Thank you, Aaron, for not re-recording, because while reading that, you started laughing. And instead of going back and just doing it, because how can you read that stuff with a straight face anymore? I remember about a month and a half ago when I, on the show, dropped the word talisman. Yeah. And on social media in the mask debate. And I remember thinking at the time, it's kind of an obscure reference. Maybe it goes too far. I had no idea until yesterday that the New England Journal of Medicine had used that exact same word and way back in May. Did you see what CDC tried doing this week? Yeah. Tried scaring you that uh, that COVID was airborne like Ebola. Oh, six months just, in, we have no idea how it spread. Just a draft, guys. Uh, we didn't mean to get out. You mean like back in May when they recommended we only have mail-in voting, and then when everybody blew up, they it was just a draft. Didn't mean to get out. Don't trust any of these. Get into Pop Culture Tuesday here on the Steve Day Show, where we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. Now, coming up next hour, we're going to lead off with fake news or not. We're going to go inside the latest batch of presidential election polling, and we got a ton of reaction to this last week. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to be a part of uh, Glenn Beck's Civil War Part Two special tonight, looking at uh, the presidential polls. Uh, or Wednesday night, I should say, looking at the presidential polling. By the way, if you didn't watch part one of that, holy buckets, I watched part one last week. That that was phenomenal. All right, so you definitely want to go to our Blaze YouTube channel and watch part one of that. But we got so much reaction to our breakdown of the broken polls that are being released. I thought we got to come back for seconds, right? So it's like that pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. You're like, you know what, man? I got to have another slice of that. All right. So next hour, we're getting into all new polls. These are ones we haven't talked about yet that have come out in the last week. And I'm going to take you inside for some tasty morsels of complete and total PS. <laughs> all right. Uh, this, and they don't taste like chicken, by the way. Okay, uh, we're going to get into that uh, coming up next hour. And then our good friend Josh Hammer is going to join us and we'll get his in-depth analysis on the potential Supreme Court nomination coming up later this week. Of course, Josh used to be a clerk on the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. He's now the op-ed page editor for Newsweek. But let, let's talk about NFL TV ratings here for Pop Culture Tuesday. Seems like a good time, by the way. Uh, good segment to have this sponsored by our friends over at MyBookie. If you're in a state that has legalized sports wagering and you want to take advantage of it, 
Aaron, you were telling me you played last night a reverse line. Yep. That is where you're so confident that the underdog could, is going to win that you play the opposite odds with them as the favorite. Last night was the first time in the last 11 Monday night football matchups that in under, this goes back to like seven or eight years, that in, in non-divisional games, the underdog that is the underdog had lost 11 straight Monday night football games until the Raiders got that win last night. Hmm. By the way, my own handicapping, NFL handicapping contest I'm in, the, uh, having the Raiders last night outright as a winner, that was my pick, had me, I won the weekly prize in that event. You know what I, record I had to do to get to number one in the week? 14 and two. That's, I'll never do that like ever again, but that's the record it took to get first place in this contest. This is not easy to do. Now in the NFL, the team that wins the game outright covers the spread about 80% of the time. So most of the time, if you're picking NFL games, just pick the winner and they're going to cover the spread Hmm. most of the time. Okay. But picking the winner is not that easy. Making sure you're lined up with somebody who will pay if you win. Uh, not that easy to find as well. The good news with legalization is there's more opportunity. The bad news is that also means more grifters. That's why you want to go to our friends over at MyBookie right now. They will double your deposit. So if you want to go in for 50 bucks for the year, they'll make it 100 for you. 100, they'll make it 200. Over at MyBookie, they will double your first deposit with the promo code SD4Steve. Promo code SD4Steve if you want to become a complete and total degenerate like Aaron. And a knowledgeable, speculative handicapper like myself. How many seven, eight-leg parlays have you ever hit? I know. I almost hit one on Sunday, actually. Almost ain't good enough. Yeah, I know. I know. You know what? The the number one point spread coach in the NFL is not Bill Belichick. It's actually, uh, what's his face with the Minnesota Vikings, whose name I can't remember? Zimmer. Mike Zimmer, yeah. And that was the one game I lost in a seven-leg parlay. Otherwise, I'd have won a lot of money on that. Yeah. I like how you're now having to put a gloss on your own betting now that you see the mouth of madness that has become Aaron McIntyre over there. I with told his mom, his, mama, his mama came up to me shortly after I hired him and said, hey, thank you for bringing my baby home. I said, be very careful. All right. You don't understand the bad influences that he is about to be subjected to. All right. Now she probably doesn't even recognize her baby boy anymore after the last five years operating under our wing around here and our could, terrible influence could always be worse could be doing crack that's true and it, it, you're better than hillary yeah better than that's hillary. really the only standard that matters anymore are we better than hillary so let's talk nfl tv ratings all right and how much how much this is really hurting the league the social justice stuff now week two there was almost none of it you, there's still the stuff painted in the end zones but guys can't hardly pre- see it pretend you don't you never heard of a black lives matters all right, you never pretend there was no such organization as BLM. If an NFL team put end racism or um, we're all in this together or it takes all of us in their end zone, would we care? No. 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 In a vacuum, are, are we opposed to those things? No. No. No, we're not. The problem is it's not in a vacuum, though, is it? Right? We, the, all those years, they didn't put those things in the end zone. They just put them in this year because of who? Groups like BLM, mm-hmm. okay, who are Marxists. So, um, who, by the way, have finally scrubbed the we want to destroy the nuclear family from their website. Did you guys see that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they finally got around to that only months after people were pointing it out. But um, there's no, there, there was very little of it this week. We didn't find, they didn't run it back on the black national anthem. They did that last week. I didn't know there was a black national anthem, but okay. But let's get some context first. 
Okay. In the big picture, week one of the NFL, looking at the top 10 shows for that week in all of America, five of them are the NFL and the top four are the NFL. I, I'm sorry, six of them are the NFL and the top five of them are the NFL. So it was actually better than I said. So there's, there's that. That's, that's the big picture context. Right now, six of the top 10 shows in America are the NFL, including the top five. Now, some of you will say, well, we're not, we don't have any first run shows right now because a lot of the productions were shut down because of COVID. A lot of fall premieres are not going to happen until January now. That's true. But if you went back and looked at the same week last year and the year before, it would pretty much be the exact same thing. The NFL dominates in the ratings. Sunday Night Football on NBC is pretty much the number one show in America like every single year. <clears throat> and the Super Bowl is the most watched television event in the world every single year. Okay? So that's, the, that's one context of this. When you hear me talk about the NFL being bulletproof, that's what I'm talking about. But I am looking right now at the ratings for every primetime NFL game or post-game show in week one, or pre- or post-game show in week one. They're all down in week one, anywhere from 2 to 29% where they were a year ago. 2 to 29%. So there is no question that they have taken a hit for this. No doubt. Because I would make the case, remember, they had the highest rated NFL draft of all time earlier this year, like 16 million people tuned in. <clears throat> Think about it. We were locked down in our homes. No other thing going on. It was the first live sporting event in America other than a UFC fight that we had had since like March 11th when we had all the shutdowns, right? And what month was that, was that in? That was in April. And what month did the riots begin? June. June. Yep. So pre-riots and the rating, very unifying message. We talked about it a lot at the time, right? And ratings for that were off the chain. Those weren't even games. That was just the draft, picking players. And a lot of them were players that Americans don't know. They were just starving for the NFL, starving for football, starving for normalcy, starving for, um, you know, for sports. And they got a really unifying message. Pre-riots, pre-BLM ascendancy. Because I could make the argument that, so, yes, the NFL is the biggest television entity in America, and it's not even close. It's not even close, guys. All right? It, it would take, like, a decade of this kind of performance, minimum, to take down such an entity. And they don't really have a thermal exhaust port on the Death Star here. They don't. You'd have to just, little by little, wear it down. But there's no question that at the very least, there's been a Mac, um, there's been a major opportunity cost lost here, because given what the ratings were for the draft and not the games, I mean, before BLM, weren't we all thinking that these were going to be like lunar landing kind of ratings? Because yeah. there's nothing else to watch. Yes, there's nothing else to watch other than other live sports that are frankly at times even more politicized than the NFL is trying to become. We're not seeing that. It's still the dominant television property in the country, and it's not going anywhere. But the idea that it was just going to come in 
and absorb all the oxygen out of the room with unprecedented levels of ratings, that did not occur either. And so they will take a financial hit for that. Will it be enough to get their attention? We shall see. Your thoughts, gentlemen. Well, I think the the play of the NFL was probably... <clears throat> Pardon me. And we talked a little bit about this. I, I did not think this was going to be in the NFL at least. Right out of the gate, the plan to go 16 weeks hardcore BLM. I mm -hmm. think they were going to give it a week <clears throat> and then kind of Homer Simpson back into the bush. And Read the just, room a little bit. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think there was... I also think there's something that has nothing to do... Uh, with uh, BLM or football to say, but once the, the mindset, once you've been locked down and once you feel things being taken away from you, mm -hmm. I, listen, there's a lot of guys that probably uh, are not going to return to re regular viewing until the weather gets cold. I think there's a lot of people out there. That's doing, a valid point too. People are like, you know what? I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to get out of my I'm gonna, home again. Especially yeah. in, it's cold. It's I winter. could not believe how many people were at a middle school cross country oh, yeah. meet yesterday in Adel, Iowa. I know. The place was packed. Like it was a high school playoff game on a Friday night. I couldn't believe it. Is it always like that? Or is, it, is that an example of what you're talking about? You know, those are always as okay. as packed as that. But it's your point still remains. You you, you can't believe it, even because we hear hotspot. You know, mass mm -hmm. don't. But no, that's the cross country community for the most part. And actually, that I've told you, two of them have actually not allowed fans on, is because if you allow the fans on, they're going to show up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's part of the. Uh, Part of the problem as well, fan noise pumped in is one thing, but you're just looking at this sterile environment on television as well. And even though the play, some some of the games have been really fun to watch, part of the fun and part of the production uh, and the show aspect of, of the NFL uh, game is seeing all the fans in the stands and all the craziness and, and hearing the the organic energy coming through your television of a live sporting event and that's just lost even with a even with the artificial fan noise pumped in and so i think that might be part of it as well i don't think there's any question that it's the it's the it's the wokeness that they're trying to do to I, I honestly saw last week in terms of the nfl and it could just be because of who i follow on Twitter and around Facebook, but Marquise Pouncey, uh, the Steelers player, who instead of wearing a decal of somebody who was, I think, uh, did a drive-by shooting. Did a drive-by shooting. He yeah. instead put the name of a slain police officer. I mean, that's a 180-degree spin. We heard of Tyler Eifert, the Jaguars' tight end, who put David Dorn's name on his helmet because the NFL is allowing players to do decals of names that uh, mean a lot to them. I actually saw more headlines about Marquise Pouncey doing that 180 uh, kind of in a positive light because what can you say? What, what, I mean, what can you say in criticism of that? Uh, I, I saw more headlines about that than I did anything else. And I just, I didn't watch as much NFL this weekend. I watched a couple of games or actually I watched about two and a half games, but that was enough of a sample size for me to say, oh, I, did, I just really didn't see that much of a presence of the, ultra wokeness so where does this go in the future do you think they gave their week one alms to the to the uh social justice gods and um back to football or do you think they keep this up 
to I, some extent through the election. Because I'm telling you, there was a there was a there was a definitive decline in this, even in the play by play. Because I watch the Red Zone Channel, so I see a little bit of every single game. They weren't even like making points in a lot of these games, play by play, about well, here here here's the social justice stance of this player and the, why they're wearing these decals. It was it was just pretty much football the entire time. I just a lot of it depends on the NFL at every level. I mean, at some point, do do they want to just acknowledge that they're blessed to do what they do, uh, and that yes, no one. I don't. Ex- I never expect any athlete to just shut up and play ball, but I expect coherence. So it really depends on the players. It depends on the front, uh, the the management uh, to put forward, a, continue to put forward a product, and not to try to choke people with this on a regular basis. If they continue to do that, there's not an existential problem. You're absolutely right, but they'll continue to have problems. I, I, and I, ahead, I would Aaron. add as well. I, I just think the nature of football lends itself to the type of player and even we've we've had drama queens we've had but in mass there i think the median outlook and just uh maybe worldview if you want to say it i, I don't know if want to want to get that deep but just the median kind of posture of the average nfl the median posture of an nfl player tends to be more this is about football this is about me and my teammates more than it is in the nba where it's uh we're just going to do an impromptu day strike uh because we're angry about something you know what i mean because just because there's more players on that team yeah it's hard to much more guys exactly a couple of big name guys can't bully 22 other men you can do that on a team where five guys are only playing at a time you definitely what you definitely can't happen you 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 gotta let Drew B's 1.0 say what he wants to say without shunning him and making him take the knee. That can't happen. Well, that's what, that was Tony Dungy's stance. He's like, I don't even agree with Drew Brees, yeah. but the behavior towards him is, that, that's just not how yeah, we you treat got, people. Everybody needs yeah. to be able to say what the others say. Otherwise, then you should all shut up if you can't handle that. That's the part that bothers me. I, I've, I don't, I don't, I, I'm 47 years old, guys. I came to the realization not everyone agrees with me more than 10 minutes ago. I'm, I'm, I'm fine accepting the fact that many people in the world don't. In fact, when I signed up for, for this conversion, I was told that this was going to occur. I, I was often not going to be the majority impulse in the cultural settings I'm, I find myself in, right? Yeah. This is not breaking news to me. But it's the idea that, it, it's the idea that everyone has to conform to one particular view, right? That's the issue. That what happened to Drew Brees, for example, that you mentioned, making J.J. Watt one of the biggest badasses you've ever that the NFL has ever produced. Certainly in this era, they there was all kinds of J.J. Watts in previous eras. They don't kind of produce players like that too much anymore. But but I mean, he was reduced to snowflake mush on Twitter uh, over this issue, right? The the demand for conformity is the issue. Hey, you want to you want to you know you want to have the views that Colin Kaepernick has? It's a free country. You're welcome to do that. But then I'm free to think that you're a complete and total ingrate fool freak for having those views. I get to air those views too, right? Yeah. It's the idea though that I can't. Right. That's what produces the backlash. Hour two is next. Are we back? Pardon me. I was in the middle of something. It's your show. It is, man. My favorite protein bar. 
on the first day of for the first day of fall just announced a pumpkin chocolate chip cookie flavor and i was making sure i got myself a couple of boxes of those like right now totally lost track <laughs> my bad are you kidding me my favorite protein bar and pumpkin flavor at the same time i can't pass that up person this is new this is it, not it, it just got announced i just got the email i had to like pounce act on it I totally lost myself in the moment here. Forgot we're doing a live show. How are all you? We're back with hour two on the Steve Day Show. I'm just handling my personal business here. You know what? We all have our idols these days. Uh, this would be one of mine. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's a D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Parlor at Steve Dace. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And again, that's D-E-A-C-E. If you're a podcast listener, we love you all too. Please, if you haven't done so yet though, wherever you choose to podcast us from, make sure to click that subscribe button as well as leave us a five-star review. Keep submitting those. They keep helping our show to grow. And we want to thank all of you that have done those things for us already. At the bottom of the hour, our good friend Josh Hammer is going to join us. Uh, He is the op-ed page editor for Newsweek, but he's also a former clerk on the U.S. District Court of Appeals for somebody that uh, a lot of people think is a potential future Supreme Court nominee, although not this time around. So we're going to get Josh's take on some of the names being bandied about and some of the debates about those names coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Let's get to fake news or not. Brought to you by our friends over at Rough Greens. Hey, a lot of you go running with your dogs, and that's cool. I mean, I wouldn't. Um, but um, a lot of you go running with your dogs and do stuff like that in order to keep your dogs healthy and fit. Well, another thing you want to look at is what they're eating. Because chances are the st- uh, that store-bought food is stripped bare of a lot of the vitamins, nutrients, and minerals your pet needs. Same thing goes with our foods. That's why we buy so many supplements these days. And that's where Rough Greens VitaSmart comes in. It has all the all the stuff your dog needs. Uh, prebiotics even. Uh, probiotics. Omega oils. Antioxidants. The list goes on. It's a, it's a supplement powder. You put on your dog's food. Mix it in. They're going to love their food all the more. At least that's what I see with our dog cap when we we feed this to him at the house and most of all though they're getting the stuff they need to be healthier than ever before if you want to see if you don't see a difference in your dog in 14 days or less just go to rough greens that's r-u-f-f roughgreens.com slash blaze get the 14 day jumpstart bag for just 14.95 at roughgreens.com slash blaze all right so we got so much reaction to this last week i decided Let's go back for seconds. I mean, when when the audience likes something, right? Just give them more of it. That's my big marketing tip for the day, folks. When the audience likes something, keep doing that. Todd, your thoughts? Well, on this show's tradition, as long as it agrees with what you want, because otherwise, if they if they want what you don't want, you'll kind of make them. That's true. Let me rephrase that. When the audience <laughs> wants something that I want to give them, keep giving yes. it to them. Todd, your thoughts? We bueno. There you go. All right. There we go. Touched them all. Thank you. That, that, that was an important clarification. You're right. If the audience wants something, I don't want to give you've, them. You've been known I, to I troll won't, your own audience. Yeah, that's I, all I, I'm I, saying. I won't, I won't give them that. You're right about that. <laughs> yes, that's true. So when they want what I want, and I want what they want, by all means, hamana hamana, right? Let's do this. You got it. All right. So I looked at yesterday, took some time looking at the most recent presidential polls. 
and we're going to play fake news or not with these. You guys ready? Yeah. Let us begin with the, and these are all polls that are included in the Real Clear Politics polling average. That's why we're looking at them. All right. Let's begin with the latest Investors Business Daily poll. Now, this is fascinating. It has Trump improving his Hispanic turnout by seven points. That is not statistically insignificant. So Trump doing seven points better with Hispanics than he did in 2016. But it has him badly losing seniors by 19 points. A group he won by nine points four years ago. It also has Trump doing better, oddly enough, with registered voters than likely voters, which is typically the opposite of how Republicans perform in polls. So folks, gentlemen, your thoughts. Is that fake news or not? Yeah, that's fake news. There's no way there's a senior citizen swing like that. Now, I will tell you, my little birdies tell me that the White House is being told in their polling that they're, if they lose, it will be because of senior citizens who don't believe that the president took the virus seriously enough and risked their lives. I, I know, I know that this is what their pollsters are telling the Trump campaign. Well, and it shows up in this poll. Now, do I think he's going to lose him by 19 points? Could I see him maybe losing some of that support if that's true? Could I see him maybe even losing him by a couple of points? Maybe. See, but by 19 points? That, I don't believe that the pollsters are saying that. The consultants, that sounds like something a consultant would say, not necessarily a pollster, though, right? Yeah, but the, the, pollster, the pollsters are telling them, in our polls, this is what is dragging you down. Hmm. Okay, we're talking a 28 point swing yeah have you ever seen a 28 point swing in any no sizable demographic no. ever no i've so never then- seen anything like that ever we had a 14 point swing from the from the general to the midterms which is easier to do because it's a lower turnout election it's hard to swing it's, it's a little bit like when you have a big company when you have a big company and a small company is which which one of those is easier to change direction with quickly the small company is, right? Yes. Because the big company's got layers of layers of bureaucracies and departments that all have to get on board. It's like moving a it's like moving a an aircraft ca- carrier compared to moving a PT boat or a, a destroyer, right? The, the, the more nimble the craft is, the smaller it is, the more flexible it can be to change course, right? In a in a presidential election, given the numbers we're talking about, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a, it's a significant demographic. It's impossible almost to see that kind of a swing just because there's too many numbers. There's too many people in a midterm election. We did see Trump won suburban women by five points in 2016. Republicans lost them by nine points in the 2018 midterms. So we saw a 14 point swing. That was very dramatic. And that was in in elections that don't have the turnout that presidential elections do. So no, it, with how many seniors vote, there's that's not going to happen. Could he lose them? Maybe, I don't yeah. know. But it won't be a 28-point swing. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I have to take it at face value. We're talking about data and specific numbers. Could I? Can I see him losing because of a change, a swing of a, a smaller kind with seniors, particularly since these seniors now include a bunch of boomers? And let's face it, the boomers are one of the worst generations in american history um i I can see them being seduced by such nonsense absolutely but i just you're asking me to talk about specific numbers there's i you could i i don't care 
28-point swing. That's all I need to know. I don't even need to know we're talking about seniors. That's impossible. Aaron, here's the other problem I have with this. You know, back in May when we had those uh, California doctors yep. with their data who were running health clinics that were doing the testing there in Santa Clara County or one of those counties out there, and they kept being attacked that they didn't have a random study. Yep. And we pointed out they don't need a random study. They have the actual study. They're doing the actual testing. You do random studies when you don't have the actual raw data, right? But they had the actual raw data, so they don't need to do a study of the data. They had the data itself. We can talk about polls for seniors and everything all we want. All I can tell you is Iowa has one of the oldest electorates in the country. They looked at Joe Biden for a year and thought, there's no way this guy can be president of the United States. That... I find significant when you try to tell me that he's going to have a 28 point swing of lost senior support because we saw seniors in Iowa see Joe Biden up close and personal for a year. And what did he finish? Fourth? Fifth? Right. Unless there is there is another factor, which I'll probably bring up uh, later. But I, I mean, unless we're just completely missing this and just the Trump fatigue has really set in. But I just I don't I, I don't know how that explains almost a 20 point swing. So for the same reasons, it's fake news. I, I, I for, for the same reasons, it's, it's fake news. And if you can't even in the amongst the Democratic base as well, as you just said, um, we, we tend to think of that as skewing younger. But there are still a lot of seniors, especially in the rural areas of Iowa, who are Democrats and Biden still didn't pick those people up. Um, that's that's a yell. That's a yell uh, when when analyzing this poll. So fake news. All right, the next poll that we are going to take a look at here. Okay, let let's take a look at the latest NBC News Wall Street Journal poll. Now it is only registered voters. All right, as opposed to likely voters. Why they're still doing registered voters post Labor Day post-conventions, another question there's no good answers to, okay? It has a realistic party ID breakdown when you look at it, okay? I could see the electorate on election day looking the way that's in their panel. However, it has only 14% of the electorate identifying as evangelical. That group made up 26% of the electorate in 2016, meaning one out of every four people that voted in the 2016 presidential election identified as an evangelical, okay? Do they really believe, because they must, they're implying it in their own data, that fewer evangelicals will turn out in 2020? Even if they're a smaller percentage of the electorate, let's say black turnout's higher, okay? Even if they're a smaller percentage of the electorate, Are they going to represent 12 points less of the electorate? I have a hard time believing that. Okay? If I know anything at all in politics, anything, anything, it's how to analyze evangelical political trends. Okay? I mean, I have spent a decade organizing this very group more so than any other, analyzing and messaging to this very group more so than any other. There may be a lower percentage of the of the turnout is evangelical this year meaning they may get a higher percentage of their of their constituency groups so we're not one out of more actually than one out of every four of the electorate but we're not going to be 12 points less folks and that's what the nb there's no way 
that's happening. There's not enough postage stamps in California, New York, Massachusetts uh, for that to Delaware. They couldn't manufacture that outcome. There's no way only 14% of the electorate on Election Day is going to be evangelical uh, unless they've managed to airborne spread COVID in every Bible Belt state on November the 2nd. No way that's happening, but maybe I'm wrong. Aaron, what do you think? Fake news or not? If there is going to be a substantial drop in evangelical turnout, do you think that it's more likely to happen in a place like Des Moines, Washington? Uh, I think it's a suburb of, of, uh, of, uh, of Seattle or the suburbs of Des Moines, Iowa, or better yet, uh, a place like uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Where do you think that there's going to be more likely a drop in evangelical support? It's going to be in a place that Trump can't win anyway. You get what right. I'm saying? Yeah. The cultural waves uh, that, that have been swarming um, and, and twirling for the last few years. If there is a substantial drop, it's going to be in a place that Trump can't win anyway. So it's, it, it's really moot. And I don't know how that's weighted into this survey. But even then, so even then, if, if, if there is going to be a drop, it's going to be a place uh, that Trump can't win. So I, I, think this is, I think this is overall fake news because I don't think that this is weighted properly at any rate. This is what David French is trying to wish cast into existence, like being beyond the politics and all this stuff. You, you really going to tell me that this number is possible with the looming fight to confirm a judge right. that likely is going right. to be a catholic w- woman with seven children this is impossible yeah i don't i don't see a scenario where this could occur unless there was some kind of hurricane on election day mm. that wiped out the south some kind of massive covid airborne contagion the rapture that's what about the only way i can guarantee evangelicals are only going to be 14% of the electorate on election day is if the rapture happens between now and then that's the only, I, I, I just, I cannot foresee that there's that much of a plummet in evangelical turnout, but it's key. When you look at the internals of their poll, it's key to how the whole rest of their findings is. They're saying that Trump's going to take a substantial. So you can see, and the, the reason I'm picking out these nuggets is I'm showing you that this is the number one trend line that's leading to their Biden conclusion. So Investors Business Daily, the number one conclusion that they are seeing is Trump is hemorrhaging seniors who thought that he left granny to die over coronavirus and they're going to Joe Biden. That's the key data nugget in their poll. In the NBC News Wall Street Journal poll, the, the Rosetta Stone, the driver of of their big picture finding is that Trump's going to see what would that be darn near a fifth would that be 40% decline right from 26 yeah, to 40 percent yeah, decline 40, in, yeah. in turnout um, of, of, of evangelicals in the electorate I cannot foresee that that could happen and again we've got nearly four years of, of rich anecdotal evidence now of we were once never Trump but what's happened to never Trump there's all kinds of people both in the professional analytical world and in the who we see on Twitter and email you that have said you know I didn't vote for Trump but just look at, just look at people like me and I wouldn't put myself in in the same platform stratosphere as these guys but we were in the same camp four years ago me Beck Shapiro yeah. people like that people that are hardcore right wingers that were never Trump in 2016 that are going to vote for him this time that has to represent at least like a point of turnout don't you think yeah. at least a point 
right? Yeah. Given the audiences that combined that we can reach, I got to believe that's like one point of turnout at least. So you're going to get all the, you're going to get those people now with Trump that weren't with him four years ago. And we're going to see evangelical uh, turnout of the election 40% lower than it was in 2016. There's no way. But that's the key metric to see what I'm showing you. you, They don't ever get into this in the networks. When you see the coverage or read the stories, they just give you the top line result and analyze that. But they never, my old seventh grade math teacher at Jackson Park Junior High used to, Mr. Judovic, used to tell me, show your work. I'm showing you their work. I'm showing you how they claim they got to the conclusion they did. That's what we're, we're not vetting their conclusion. We're vetting the method by which they came to the to the conclusion that they have, right? Mm-hmm. And I just cannot foresee. Maybe there's another Earth out there where evangelicals will represent about forty percent less of the electorate than they did from 2016. But it ain't happened on this Earth that I can foresee. Now, YouGov is terrible about showing their methodology, so I didn't want to get into their election polling. I just found this interesting. They have voters perfectly split on whether homosexuality is, is a sin, meaning the, almost the exact same percentage of voters who think it's a sin think that it's, 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 good, it's a good thing, okay? But abortion on demand is eight points more popular than a total ban on abortion. What are you guys' thoughts on those two pieces of data from CBS YouGov, which is an online polling firm from England, I believe is where they're from. Nothing right out of the gate. Do you believe for a second abortion on demand is eight points more popular no. than, because I don't. No. I don't believe it's, I don't believe, I've done a lot of pro-life polling. I don't believe it's eight points more popular than a total ban on abortion. Well, how, it may be more popular, but I don't believe it's do, eight points more popular. Well, let me rephrase that. It might be eight points more popular with the people that they might have, that they talked to, but in general, Were I there any that. other options? Um, yeah, there was a third option. You think you, you, you want some restrictions and, um, and it, it, it was, that was the more popular, the most popular option. I don't know. I hate to say that I can, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're talking me off that ledge. I just saw it. And unfortunately I thought to myself, you know, if given a choice, there's a lot, there's a lot of people, but they, they just aren't pure pro-life. They'll, they'll talk restrictions or things like that. But if it's, that's why I asked how many options were there. If it's just between these two. What do you think of the numbers of homosexuality being a dead even split? Keep in mind, this I is, also don't believe that. This is either. an online polling firm, which means they're ten, they're typically going to talk. Their audience is going to typically skew which direction, age wise, yep, young, young. All right. So, t- I was shocked to see that number. Actually, that it was that even. You don't buy that one either, Aaron. Nope. Tell me why. No, I don't buy that either. I think it's uh, I, I, at this point in time, it's a much palatable, uh, much more palatable lie. To believe that homosexuality is a sin than it is to believe that abortion is not murder. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I don't believe that it's dead split that homose- that people believe homosexuality is a sin. Uh, the same way that I don't believe that uh, eight more points of people believe that abortion should be available on demand. I mean, no restrictions no whenever restrictions you want, anytime whenever you want, kill your kid. Yeah. Then uh, banned. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, those polls don't make well, did, a lick of sense to me. Did you see something? It was this week. Meaning I, what Aaron is, see, Aaron is doing a handicapping thing. Okay. A correlated parlay is what you're doing. Sure. Right. Meaning you can't tell me 
that homosexuality as a sin polls so well with the very same audience that wants abortion on mm-hmm. demand that those two things cannot be within the same group simultaneously true. Therefore, that's why you're calling it fake news, yeah. right? Okay. Well, that the, did, the, the homosexual numbers should have trended more favorably in that direction given the abortion numbers. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. I, I saw a number that, and it was from a reputable source that polling on homosexuals who are voting for Trump is much, much higher than a lot of people would think. Now, having seen that in the same week as you're showing me this, I mean, census. I, I, yeah, that is so that's interesting. I, what, what is, census Bureau came out. I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't want to mistake your point, Todd. Census Bureau came out said that uh, there's about around a million U.S. households that are uh, homosexual, which uh, I did the math, and that represents about 0.33 percent of the population. 0.33 percent of American households. You mean? Yeah. There's more than a million homosexuals, but there's a million households yes. that, that, that in the household they identify as that, meaning there could be multiple people with same-sex desires and living in that home, but yes. just by household. So, okay, gotcha. That, here's the other question to ask yourself. How many of those folks are radicalized politically? Versus Andrew Sullivan. Yes, yeah. Like how many of those folks, if if... If we're not leading a frontal assault against their legitimacy and that issue, let's say it's one and it's off the table and they start looking at the rest of their issues, right? Right. Like I know, I, I will tell you there is surprising, I can tell you, you'll find surprisingly pro-life numbers within the homosexual community. Uh, and one of the reasons why is they're concerned about the selectivization within the customization within abortion, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you're going to have a kid with a birth defect. You're going to have a kid with this. You're going to have a kid with that. Um, what, hey, your kid has the quote unquote gay gene that we've never ever found, right? How many parents are going to say, yeah, let me openly have a kid that's never going to give me grandkids or, or, or you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so take the issue of you won't, legitim- you won't let government legitimately recognize my union off the books. Take that position away. They tend to be, as a population, more professional, more successful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, higher earners, okay? So you start thinking about taxation, big government, things of that nature. Take that, take the legitimacy issue off the table, and and beyond their in their the they want to be they the identity politics of their desires. Take the profile of the average homosexual male. And tell me, on average, what other slate of issues do they like generally line up with Democrats on? If they were straight, not many. Not many. A lot of them live in suburbs. A lot of them are successful, professional. Not many. Not many. They're typically the kinds of people that voted for like Marco Rubio kinds of Republicans. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that is something to watch maybe going forward in the future. And when you've got an increasingly cartoonish transgendered the, the the numbers are i've also seen numbers that the uh, antifa is is loaded with that version you you may see a a separating the weed from the chaff within that community that um and so i mean dave uh dave rubin um saying you know no 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 this is not what i signed up for all right this is the last poll we're going to look at okay This is the latest NPR PBS poll. It is done by Marist University. I think it has very good voter ID splits from what I saw. I could definitely see the election turning out this way. Okay. 
But it has non the non-college graduate turnout declining by 11 points compared to four years ago. Why is, why is that key? Because the, the two groups that Trump dominated more than any other to win the election were non-college graduates and evangelicals. All right, that's that's the core of his constituency. And within those non-college graduates are all kinds of independents and everything else. All right. He and he way overperformed with Catholics too, but they're not a natural base for Trump. They're a group that may line up with him on issues, but a natural base for Trump is our evangelicals and non-college graduates. They're they're the two tent poles of Trump's base. This poll is claiming from Marist that that was sponsored by NPR and PBS. It is claiming that non-college graduates are going to decline by 11 points in terms of the percentage of the electorate from four years ago. Also, it's going to this one says that Trump's support among white evangelicals, not the turnout. That was the previous poll we looked at saying that we're going to there was going to be less of us that were going to make up the percentage of the electorate. This poll says that he's going to lose 11 points of support among white evangelicals compared to what he had four years ago. And get this, it has Trump doing 26 points worse with independence compared to 2016. 26-point swing of independence. He loses 11, point of ev- 11 points of evangelical support, and the percentage of turnout of non-college graduates Drops 11 points. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, if that happens, Joe Biden wins 45 states. Yeah, gives, gives, Reagan, gives Reagan 84 a run for his money if that happens. And it's not going to happen. After seeing four versions of this, you know, we, we, you just got to talk. Uh, well, we've talked about in the past. Progressivism is a cult. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, it's a rival cult. Uh, and it aspires to take away and be all the things that God is and does. Right at the beginning, what does God do? He speaks things into existence. <laughs> this is what they're trying to do. Well, that's what they think scientism and other things can this do, is, just conjure things up as truth. Yes. This is like feng shui. They're just rearranging furniture and hoping they they latch on to some kind of eureka. If those things happen, they're underselling Joe Biden in this poll. He This, is good, this would be a historic. I mean, Aaron wasn't alive for 1984, it would be that level of win. This would be the most dominant win. This could eclipse what LBJ did to um, Barry Goldwater if in 1964. It could be. It could eclipse. You'd be looking at the kinds of things that FDR pulled off when he was running for re-election in World War II, and there was token opposition. Well, you, there you're talking about dynamicism, vibrancy, even despite, uh, you know, FDR, yes, in a wheelchair, but a very vibrant man rhetorically. How is any of this possible running against Joe Biden? See, that's why I think you can't just say the polls are fake news because you don't, because then we're doing what they do. We we don't like the conclusion, so we just rule it out. Show me your work. Show me how you came to these conclusions. Because, Aaron, when you dig in to these things, and the, when you dig into the fine print, they just aren't going to happen in any of the nine realms. Not not no. in this dimension. They're not. These things aren't happening. Yeah. I, and what's confusing is that some of these, and uh, there were a couple of polls that came out last week after we did this original overtime on the polls, 
that it looked like it had better uh, a better makeup of the electorate in terms of Republican, Democrat, Independent. But then you start looking at the other parts of this, the other facets of this, just these dramatic increases or decreases in the number of uh, uh, like the evangelical support there. And then especially the, the one poll that had the support amongst seniors. It's how do you make sense of this and not have Biden then winning by 20 points? And I want to ask you something. We've only got a minute left. Maybe uh, maybe we'll tease that for next time as well uh, regarding one possible explanation. One possible explanation. Because I know we'll do this again, and, uh, and I'll bring that up next time. We will uh, switch gears. When we come back, we're going to dig into who and what should President Trump be looking for in a Supreme Court justice. I had a little birdie tell me before we went on the air. That uh, he's being told that Amy Coney Barrett is the leader in the clubhouse by far. But we shall see. We'll talk about her and a couple of the other names mentioned with our good friend Josh Hammer, former clerk for the U.S. Court of Appeals, now the op-ed page editor at Newsweek. He'll join us next. You know, trying to sell your home in any environment is challenging. That's why you need a real estate agent who's going to come in and take charge of the situation for you. Name kind of says it all. Where would you find such a person? Try realestateagentsitrust.com. Had our monthly poker game last night. And one of the guys was talking about uh, trying to sell their house. And he looked over at me and says, Man, now I know why you do all those ads for that place, realestateagentsitrust.com. <laughs> he, he was recant, recounting his terrible experience that they had had with a realtor. You want to find an agent that you can trust. These agents have been vetted from all over the country. I'm, I'm sure there is some remote outpost Todd will soon be moving to where we can't find you an agent that you can trust because mainly nobody would want to live there. That's how remote it is. But chances are, if it's anywhere within the nine realms We can find you an agent that you can trust, someone whose track record of success has been fully vetted, proven, and certified. Where would you go to find that person? To this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's where you're going to find an agent that goes all in for you when you go in to this uncertain market at realestateagentsitrust.com. Well, of course, 2020 ain't done yet. It spun the wheel of destiny on Friday. And we found out after a protracted battle with uh, cancer, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, leaving a giant void. This is not just any void on the court. Uh, She was probably the closest thing the left has had to Antonin Scalia, at least in my lifetime. Like, I mean, Elena Kagan is frankly silly. And Sonia Sotomayor likes likes to ask questions from our premise at hearings and then just rule the other way in the actual filings. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> she does it seriously. Um, but um, this was a serious woman. She had serious beliefs, serious thoughts. I thought almost all of them were wrong, but she was intellectually, I think somebody uh, formidable uh, to respect and to deal with. I think that's probably why she had the late Antonin Scalia's respect. He saw her uh, almost as an Irwin Rommel type of a respectful um, combatant uh, in the arena, if you will. And the opportunity to appoint not just any Supreme Court justice, 
but the one that fills her shoes and to do it with any stripe of non-Marxist whatsoever, of course, now has turned up the we've dialed it up to 11 here. Spinal tap. So, Josh, you are our resident expert here as a former clerk on the U.S. Court of Appeals. You're our friend and with the op ed page at Newsweek. So you might know some stuff. Your overall view, first of all, of what they should be looking for with this selection, knowing that this close to the election, the temptation to put up somebody who represents, oh, Hispanics, who Biden is struggling with right now, or suburban women who have been the battleground demo of this entire election cycle, to put somebody like that up and watch the left lose their minds right before the election with all the American people watching, you have to know that's going to be an awfully tantalizing prospect to the Trump reelect team. Yeah, I think that is well said, Steve. Um, first, a quick note on Justice Ginsburg um, before talking about how to replace her. Um, I, I think what you said is very accurate. Uh, when you go to law school, you read Ginsburg's opinions. They're oftentimes just coming from a different intellectual caliber than the left-leaning liberals of the court for the past 50, 60, even 100 years. Uh, whether it was Harry Blackman, William Brennan, I mean, there's any number of uh, liberal lions, you might say, on the court, who I think didn't quite have the the heft and sophistication that Justice Ginsburg had. And again, no matter how strongly you or I, Justice Scalia, Justice Thomas, et cetera, disagreed with her. Um, she really, she was a true trailblazer, graduate number one in her law school class, one of the first women to, to do so. I, she, she, so just may her memory be a blessing. Um, let's stipulate the obvious there. Okay, as far as what we should be looking for to replace her, you know, I wrote a column for the Daily Wire a year and a half ago. I think it actually holds up quite well. The, the title of the column was, here are three things to look for or, or for conservatives to look for in judicial nominations. And I basically laid out three things. Um, and the first thing is going to be obvious, but we need to state it, especially given recent events from Chief Justice Roberts, Justice Gorsuch and whatnot. The obvious thing is full spectrum across the board conservatism, not these administrative law, economic issued people that the establishment, the Koch brothers, the libertarian mafia, the inside the Bellway people want. We need to see a proven track record on all of our issues, the cultural issues, the civilizational issues. Uh, right to privacy, which, of course, led to Griswold versus Connecticut and ultimately Roe versus Wade, quote unquote, substantive due process. These are doctrinal jurisprudential issues that ideally we should be seeing that you have a record on them and that you bled for the cause on those issues. The second bucket. So that's the first one. The second bucket is you have to have an appetite and an eagerness to aggressively correct course. And what this means, this is a little more procedural than substantive here, but the timing of this is actually perfect because I had an essay come out for National Affairs literally this morning entitled Overrule Stare Decisis, which of course is precedent. And that ties directly into this. I, I, I would say the second bucket is you need to be willing, you'd be eager and willing to aggressively correct course because we are now well over a century into progressive jurisprudence. We are way beyond Possibly with the founders envision, we are so unmoored from the original vision of the Constitution. You need to get up there. You need to be willing to overturn bad precedent. You need to be willing to utilize the so-called shadow docket of swatting down the lower courts when they issue these ridiculous nationwide injunctions. You generally need to just be willing to utilize the levers of Article Three judicial power that your seat entails. And the third bucket that I think you need to look for is you have to obviously have a track record of bleeding for the conservative cause as, such that 
you will not just get to D.C. and do what so many Republican judicial nominees for the past 50, 60 years have done, whether it was Harry Blackman, John Paul Stevens, David Souter, John Roberts, Anthony Kennedy, Sandra Day O'Connor. The list goes on and on and on. You need to have a spine and a backbone to resist the proverbial Georgetown cocktail party circuit. You need to show us that you are a true car carrying member of our movement. Um, so those are really the three items I identified in this column a year and a half ago. Um, if anything, I would only double down on the first one in aftermath of Justice Gorsuch and in, in Bostock, the transgender case and cases like that. We really need to see a true commitment, to, I think, to cultural civilizational issues, a.k.a. the reason why I think a lot of people like you and I, Steve, vote for Republicans in the first place. So who among the names being bandied about do you think represents realistically a chance to check your boxes there and i will tell you that i was told on saturday that it was lagoya barbara lagoya out of miami who's a former desantis appointee as well or amy coney barrett who was considered essentially the runner-up to kavanaugh last fall and the the scuttlebutt was that that was where trump wanted to go McConnell and Senate Republicans said, hey, this close to the uh, midterm elections, it'll create an unmitigated uh, civil war disaster. Uh, We can't afford it. Put up this Kavanaugh. He'll squeak by as kind of a Mitt Romney style judge. And we can all just go home for the midterms. And of course, we all saw what actually occurred that fall instead and that Trump is bound and determined to not repeat that mistake again, thinking that if this is how the Democrats are going to behave, and if we try to give them a softball, then I'll just put up the person I wanted to put up the first time anyway. So those are a couple of the names that I heard on Saturday. I was told today by a little birdie before I went on the air, that Amy Coney Barrett right now is the leader leader in the clubhouse. So those are some of the prominent names. They represent core constituency groups with an election nigh that I think that's going to play into this election process as well. What do you think? So before getting to the nominees, just a a caveat. Um, I don't have a dog in this fight. None of my top choices appear to be the finalists. Um, uh, My former boss, Jim Ho of the Fifth Circuit, would have been my number one choice. He would have been a truly phenomenal justice. He is mightily courageous on the Fifth Circuit. And I, you know, I I, I hope, I guess, when a man steps down or passes away in a prospective Trump second term, that Judge Ho uh, gets his recognition and reward at that time. But I understand the politics of this. I, I, under, I, under, I understand, of course, this is Justice Ginsburg's seat, for goodness sake, the trailblazer, the ACLU litigator for women's rights, equal rights. I, I, I understand the optics here and why uh, the White House and, I guess, like-minded outside groups seem to be unifying around the, the cry for women. So I, I, I understand the game that's being played here. Um, there's a judge on the 11th Circuit who's actually not Barbara uh, Lagoa, a, a different judge based out of Atlanta called Lisa Branch, who I think really highly of. And I was really surprised that she didn't make the most recent list that came out two weeks ago. Of all the female Trump nominated judges, she honestly probably would have been my top choice. So I was a little surprised that, she, that, that she's not being considered. Of the names that are being actively considered, uh, Judge Barrett of the 7th Circuit, Judge Lagoa of the 11th Circuit, you hear a little bit about uh, Judge Rushing of the Fourth Circuit, and a little you're hearing a little bit today about Judge Bridget Bade out in uh, Arizona on the Ninth Circuit. Um, I would probably go with Judge Barrett there, um, just because it, it, she doesn't. Again, she hasn't been on the bench for very long. She does not have the record in writing that a lot of us would like to say, and, and it, it does feel a little uh, icky, for lack of a better term, that here we are, 28 whatever years after. John Sununu told Georgia W. Bush, trust me on David Souter, and we're kind of still doing the, the trust me shtick over and over again. It's like Lucy in the football. So it doesn't feel good. But 
um, to, to kind of get into like the trust me thing, I, I really do have it on quite good authority from people I truly, truly trust on this, that uh, Amy Coney Barrett is an absolute lock on abortion, religious liberty, on issues like that, um, that, that it really is beyond a shadow of a doubt that she has the, the, the nerves, she has the jurisprudence, and she will vote the correct way on those issues. Um, I do have some question marks for her on some other issues. She's, there's been a couple of criminal issues that have kind of raised my, eyebrow, my eyebrows, a Fourth Amendment issue. Um, there was actually a, a bizarre kind of felon Second Amendment issue that a lot of conservative legal eagles thought was great because it was pro-gun rights. The opinion kind of read to me like Neil Gorsuch-style jailbreak. So I, I do have question marks about Amy Barrett. Um, but the reality is she's the closest thing that we have to a surefire deal here. And look, when Roe versus Wade and Case versus Planned Parenthood are finally overturned, the reality, whether whether we want to play identity politics or not, and of course, we you know, we all hate that. The reality is that a woman needs to not be in the majority, but ideally writes the opinion. That's just that's just the reality. And of the current people who are being discussed here. It seems to me, based on everything I've read, everything I'm hearing, that Amy Coney Barrett is the right woman for that. Another advantage she has is there is a truncated timetable here. She was one of the finalists, if not the runner-up, two years ago. She's already been through, in other words, a full vetting process. The other issue you have, if you nominate her, um, her base... Or Trump's base knows who she is, wanted her to be the nominee last time. There won't be, like, I mean, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter over the weekend. I mean, within MAGA world, there were people tearing each other up at, this, at the same websites, at the same organizations over Barbara LaGoya, for example, like accusing her of being involved with letting Epstein get off, and that wasn't true. I mean, um, you won't get any of that with Amy Coney Barrett. All, all, of, the, all of the crap is going to flow downhill, but in one from one direction. Uh, and it's going to be from the people that are going to call you a racist, misogynist, xenophobic, homophobic, bigot, no matter who you nominate. Whether you nominate, uh, you know, the ghost of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Josh Hammer, or pick a name, you're going to get called that, right? So your base is going to be united around that pick if it is her. If it's not her, it's one of these other names you mentioned, there's going to be an internal vetting process of them within the conservative movement itself. And if this was not 38 days or whatever before an election, you probably wouldn't care about that. But this close to a presidential election, you want to be only fighting a one-front war right now, right? I think it's absolutely right. And the other <clears throat> point that I've made um, to, to, to friends privately, not so much publicly, but uh, I, there's no reason for why I haven't, just haven't. Um, we need someone who's also camera-ready, who is ready for the life. This is going to be a war, okay? Uh, what, what, what they did to She Brett is Kavanaugh, not unattractive, yes. First of all, she's not unattractive. Yeah. Second of all, she survived that infamous, the dogma lives right. loudly within you. She's already faced it, right. Yeah. She's already yeah. faced it. And look at the optics here. Not only is she not unattractive, but she's the mother of seven, including one child who has Down syndrome, two Haitian adoptees. Let the, let the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee try to tear that woman apart. Yeah. I mean, like. I agree. It, 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 let, it really let, let suburban women in America find out that when they're when they're not kvetching to you about Trump's nasty tweets that annoy almost all of us, okay? Let them find out when the when the topic isn't about Trump's tweets, what these leftists really think about women like you. When we're not talking about a shared disdain of Trump's Twitter account. What do these leftists really think about suburban women? Nominate Amy Coney Barrett, you're going to find out what they really think about you. You're going to find out what you just said, right? Uh, the, the ads write themselves. They really do. 
Um, just a quick word on on Barbara Lagoa. Um, Quick, quickly, I, I got about ninety seconds. Okay, very quickly. Um, I've never met her. I, I I I can't pretend to know a ton about her. All I will say is I, I can't name names, and I, I really hate this, but like people, I truly trust. Uh, do vouch for her. She she has some very very very. I had somebody impressive. who's who's maybe the best pro family activist in Florida, who I've known for years, tell me directly to my face over the weekend she is a vote to overturn Roe. I'm a hundred percent certain of it. So, I, I I actually think there's a very good chance she would be a better justice than Amy Coney Barrett. It's just not worth the risk. That that that's all. All right. Hey, good stuff. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for joining us. You got it. Okay. All right, gentlemen. We got about. Uh, now we have about 90 seconds. Your thoughts on our conversation oh, with Josh? I'll keep it simple. He's nailing it at the end with it's not worth the risk. The knowns you get with Comey, it, it, people will be able to tolerate and not worry about certain things. It, you will have to basically necromance Scalia if you go another way in terms of like no questions at all. And that's impossible. So I, it'll be a huge mistake. Uh, well, you're going to face a vetting from your own side because yes. those are unknowns. You mentioned the Amy multiple Coney front Barrett war. Is, is the known. Yes. So you won't face a vetting from your own. Your own side will rally rather than yes. vet her. And so there, politically, there's a huge benefit there. I agree with that. Aaron. Yeah, I, I would say because of because of her own family. And um, I, I hate the identity politics game. That's the world in which, unfortunately, that's the world in which we live. We're not playing identity politics, though, to recognize the fact that people identify with others who look like them. That's what we're talking about here. Um, the fact that she has what Josh just laid out about her own family and the adoptions and the downs, that is a picture of something that is almost uh, almost impossible, almost a unicorn. It's something that that uh, that people strive for to be this enormously successful lawyer, professional, and at the same time have an amazing family story as well. And to see the left attack that—that's something that they try to sell. That's something that feminism tries to sell all the time, unsuccessfully because it's just so rare when it does happen. That's something that they try to sell all the time. And to see them, the optics of seeing them attack that viciously, that's, I mean, that's, there's no amount of war chest that Trump has. No size of a war chest that Trump has or any super PAC has that can match the impact, the potential impact of that. Like I said to Josh, get away from a shared disdain of Trump's tweets and suburban women in general don't have a lot in common with today's democratic party correct and that gets exposed if you nominate somebody like this woman for the supreme court right now we're gonna stick around and do overtime for our subscribers for the rest of you see you tomorrow john 317 this is steve dace on the blaze radio network